everyone. Welcome to the third episode of Red Flags and Red Cards. You have made it to our third episode. We're so proud of you. <laughs> I'm one of your hosts, Nick, alongside uh, all the way in Raleigh, North Carolina, Josh. And um, yeah, dude, what a what a week of, of sports. Like, I feel like some sports are starting to wake up a little bit. Yeah, it's been exciting. Um, there's the all the action we did have was very exciting. Um, and a lot of groundwork and announcements have been made for most of the big sports. Um, the only sport that's really struggling right now to come up with a plan is baseball, which is um, blowing my mind. Yeah. I'm like, it's guys, a, get it together. <laughs> I was listening to sports radio today and I think it was a Buster only um, clip that they were playing. And he was basically saying he's like, this is something that needs to get worked out quickly because if it doesn't, the long term effects could well be very bad over the long term where you could look at you know if you don't get baseball this year then next year who knows you know what this virus situation will be next year if you'll be able to play and then there's um the collective bargaining agreements up after at the end of next year which brings in a whole another litany of issues as there's um it sounds like the players and owners are pretty far off i haven't followed it closely um, but he was basically saying, he's like, I don't think this will happen, but he's saying, you know, if they don't get things together, there could be a very long period of time where there's no baseball. Um, and that's definitely not good for baseball no. um, and it's not good for fans at all. I feel like every day I get a notification from ESPN talking about it, but it's the same whirlwind. How are we going to do this? How are we going to social distance? I mean, by the time they figure it out, we won't need to social distance anymore. <laughs> right. And baseball is the easiest sport to social distance. Honestly, I mean, <laughs> the players never touch each other unless you are being tagged out. Anyway, <laughs> I hope you're enjoying this June day because, you know, it's June. Remember when it was January 84th? That was a cool day. <laughs> yeah, it's been the, the longest fast year ever. <laughs> Honestly, good grief. I feel like it was just March when all of this stuff happened um, and sports came to a halt. Alas, we have a ton to talk about today. Uh, we'll try to get it with, you know, 45 minutes. It probably will be longer, so sit back and enjoy. Uh, we've got some new segments today we're pretty excited about. Um, it's a surprise to me. Josh is kind of the brains behind it. So uh, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later. But first, let's go into Bristol. Um, short track racing is back. The low downforce package is back and should stay <laughs> yes uh and guys we don't usually see in the top 10 top 15 were up there um we had 17 cautions which is one caution shy of tying the record which is 18 some cautions were weird weirder than others uh austin dylan i think was just going slow and they said hey throw out the caution that was weird mm -hmm. Um, some guys would tap the wall that was a caution but then we had like a a, a mini big one i believe Yep. Uh, so that was, yeah, just good old short track racing. Uh, Being Brian, Brian, wow. I've been looking at a lot of Brian Kozlowski tweets lately. Uh, <laughs> Brad Kozlowski stole, if you will, another win. Incredible. Really cool for him, I think. Mm -hmm. Just kind of hanging out, watching everyone just <laughs> beat each other up. It was also a very good pick call that um, Brad Kozlowski's pit crew made to have him come in and take two, two tires um, late in the race. And part of the thing with Bristol is um, restarts, 
depending on which lane you're in. I mean, that's it's not just Bristol. It's any track nowadays is that there's a preferred restart lane. And if you are in that preferred lane, you're likely to move forward. Um, so he happened to get lucky several times where I think first time he restarted like 10th and was able to move up. And then the next time he restarted sixth and then the next start time he restarted fourth. And so he was partly um, because of that, the fortune of when cautions came out where he was positioned, was able to move up, but it was just a really great pit call by him. And Boyer was the other one that pitted um, to take four tires and they ended up one, two and getting through a lot of people. So it was some good pit strategy, but it seems like that's kind of been the MO of Penske this year where they've been good, but not great but they've been stealing victories at the end. Um, I think of the Joey Logano earlier this year at, um, I forget what, California auto club count. No, that was Bowman. It was one of the races after that. Um, but it was Blaney. Uh, Phoenix and, was the next one. What was the one after that? Was it Kansas? Well, there's Vegas. Are you talking about this year? Vegas, Vegas. Yeah, that Vegas, was it. Yeah. We had, the, um, we had, yeah, we had Daytona West coast swing and then we stopped racing. That's right. Yeah, it was the the Vegas race where it was Blaney and um, Bowman were the best two cars and Bowman looked like he was about to fly past Blaney with like five to go and take it. And then Blaney and Bowman pit Lugano stayed out and stole another victory. Um, And then similarly, Kozlowski here, right place, right time. Um, But the excitement of Bristol all the way top to finish. It was just an absolutely phenomenal race. Um, I can't remember the last time I've had that much fun watching a race um, really from lap one all the way through the end. One of the things I was noticing was, and this has been kind of consistent is the inconsistency, if you will, of what is the preferred lane at Bristol lately. It's mainly thanks to the, the PJ one traction compound they put on the track. Um, But at at the beginning of the race, uh, the, the, the higher groove was preferred, and then the lower groove started to come in, not, I don't know, not even 20 laps in, and all of a sudden guys are making passes on the bottom lane. So it really made for a great two-lane, sometimes three-lane uh, race. <laughs> uh, as we know, you cannot run three wide at Bristol. However, it was attempted many times, and it proved successful a few times, but overall not so much. But I think that's the that's the excitement that, Bristol really gives it's fast and you can have those two lanes and you also had uh, several guys making uncharacteristic mistakes um, I think you had Hamlin was in the lead with what like 12 laps to go when he got loose mm-hmm. and hit the wall yep um, even the uh, the mini big one that happened with um, Stenhouse was partly Stenhouse was checking up a little bit um, so that partly caused it but it was also Jimmy Johnson misjudging when to move up similar to Kyle Bush a couple weeks ago um, where he misjudged it, came up, hit Stenhouse, um, or I guess he missed, missed how hard Stenhouse would have to get on the brakes um, and got into him. Similarly, had Truex get loose and hit the field or hit the wall um, and several other guys that just made pretty uncharacteristic mistakes, which I think largely can be attributed to the lack of practice time that they're getting or the zero practice time they're getting where they're going out on this, you know, a tough racetrack um, with a new package for the first time, or I guess really an old package for the first time in over a year and getting put in, putting their cars in situations that are tough. Um, and it leads to them making mistakes. And when drivers make mistakes, it makes things more fun. Absolutely. I, I think I've said this before, but I am totally okay with moving to half hour practices 
for these guys week in, week out, and what they got is what they got. We could keep qualifying the same. That's fine. Uh, I never thought the conversation of having practice or limited practice would be a thing, but here we are. <laughs> and it's proving to have really, really great racing. Uh, you, Like you said, you see veteran drivers making simple mistakes even, you know, three quarters of the way through a race, mm-hmm. which can prove my point that competition cautions are stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I get why they have them. I totally understand why they're a thing. Uh, but it's like, man, they're out there to race. Let them figure mm-hmm. out what they've got in the car and work with what they have. And when the first caution comes or when the first stage ends, whatever comes first, that's when they can make changes. I've kind of always felt that way. Again, that's just kind of the cynical approach for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, (laughs) the one thing that kind of, I used to be that way and now I'm split on competition cautions because Denny Hamlin brought out a study. This was a year or so ago, um, that they did that basically showed that races that had a caution within the first 30 laps, um, the first 30 to 35 laps increased viewership or maintaining viewership throughout because the racing continued to be exciting. That early caution, allowing that to happen caused you to not have, I guess, somebody getting out to a big lead and lapping a number of cars and giving people that opportunity to work on the car um, kind of made the racing closer. That was, I don't know where this study came from, but that's kind of the one positive behind a competition caution. But at the same time, I like, you know, going out there and you have a whole race to figure it out, try and figure it out. Um, And I think the lack of practice is a big part of why we're seeing um, the success of uh, front row motorsports, for instance, where John Hunter Nemechek has been phenomenal this year. Yeah, like what in the heck, man? He's up there. I feel like ever since Darlington. Yeah, it's like he's just a good driver, and you know he's passing Truex towards the latter part of stage yeah. two, and it's a. Uh, I think um, because normally you have practice time, you have an hour and a half of practice and they go and they work on their cars for a while. And then they have another happy hour practice. Some races have a third practice. And so it basically what that does is allows the better teams to make their cars even better where the, not as the teams with less money don't increase their, their car quality as much. Um, and as a result, you get better racing throughout the field and more parity um, because it kind of evens things up a little bit. Yeah, for sure. That is that's definitely the, one of the bigger positives coming out of no practice. So hopefully we'll see more of that of no, you know, of limited practices. Because front row mm-hmm. motorsports, to those who do not know, are not nearly as funded uh, as these other bigger teams. And front row is kind of one of those cars, those teams where if they break the top twenty, it's impressive. If they break the top twenty five, sometimes mm-hmm. depending on the track, unless it's you know Talladega or Daytona, where three quarters of the field has been wrecked out. <laughs> and they just kind of come up and steal a win. I would say, and then on a whole nother level of, so front row racing, front row motorsports would probably be, I'd qualify them as like tier three cars. Um, so the top is Hendrick and Penske and Gibbs. Then below that, you kind of got like your JTG and um, uh, Richard Petty Motorsports. Ganassi's kind of on that edge. Richard Childress is kind of on that edge. Um, and then tier three, you kind of got the, like Corey LaJoy's team, Go Fast. Um, the front row motorsports, those guys that are usually like a top 20 is a good day for them. But then you got the top, the bottom tier of cars that are like, they're going to finish 30 pretty much every week unless a bunch of cars wreck. Um, But from that, one of the drivers that's kind of the best in that tier um, for me is Timmy Hill. 
He's just a great driver. He had a great success with the iRacing stuff. Um, and this weekend, he got a top 20 in both the, the cup race. He finished 19th on the lead lap and then um, 14th on the lead lap in the Xfinity race yesterday. So it was just, you know, it's just cool seeing this opportunity for some guys like that. Um, but then I think as you're getting to um, the crashing and that finish, how about that? <laughs> oh, man, that that whole thing made me smile for two reasons. One, that's just good old short track racing mm-hmm. uh, at its finest. And, and your dominant cars have been taken out Two, Joey Logano was put in the wall. So overall, I'm <laughs> I'm happy. I don't care who does it. Um, Joey is definitely one of those drivers who I can't stand on the track. But when he's off the track, I do have some respect for him. He's just one of those drivers. I can't help it. Uh, when, you, when he has a history with your favorite driver. You, you just you just can't let it go. Uh, my brother-in-law and I share the same feeling. He's a Denny Hamlin fan, and years ago Joey knocked knocked out Denny Hamlin and turned four at California and about broke. Then he's back. So all that to say, we do have some heat towards Joey Logano. So seeing him in the wall on Sunday was awesome. <laughs> I absolutely loved that Chase did not give him an apology. I don't think it deserved one. Uh, I feel like there's just a racing deal. As uh, I believe Joey said, what Chase did was childish. <laughs> that was just absolute gold. I love that. Um, I absolutely love that. Brett, Gri- Brett Griffin made a hilarious tweet about it. He said, "It." I'm paraphrasing here. Uh, he basically said, "Props to them for social distancing while arguing," because they both <laughs> like made sure they had their masks on and then kind of got I don't know three or four feet of each other to, right. to talk about what happened. And I was just like, "Wow." Well, it's it's funny because Gluck kind of was talking about this and he was like, what that really symbolized to him was this kind of this transition we've watched of Joey Logano um, because if he's been around for it seemingly forever, like this is like his 12th year because he started racing in cup at the age of 18. And so now he's 30, just turned 31 years old, I believe. Um, and so we've we see this all of a sudden he's he's a veteran now, you know, he's, um, I mean, he's not that much older than Chase Elliott, only five years or so. Um, but you kind of see that Chase Elliott's gone through a lot of the, or Joey Logano has done a lot of the things that, um, Chase Elliott, um, is, or made mistakes similar to what Chase Elliott made the other day. Um, and kind of had to learn through it. You know, he didn't reach out and apologize to Matt Kenseth, um, things like that. And he learned through that as a younger person. And now he, um, he does those things. And so it's kind of funny seeing as he, as he's kind of made that transition from the young up and comer, which he's still young, but into that veteran status. Um, and it's funny to think about some of the things you think about with him is the, you know, the Lugano incident, like that was five years ago. Um, the incident where he talked about who wears the fire suit in the family. Oh, that was man. 11 years ago. No way. Yeah, that was 2009. Was he still in the 20 <laughs> at that point? Yeah. Yeah, yep. yeah, he had to, absolutely. Wow. So it's uh, <laughs> it's bizarre how much time has passed. Um, and we've, we've kind of watched these guys grow up, and you, you just yeah. don't realize it. You know? I, yeah, totally. totally. Yeah, because I, I see Joey, and I still see, oh, he's like little Joey. When two things. One, he's not much younger than we are, if not the same age. Uh, right. And two... Yeah, we have watched it. Wow, that's that's a realization I'm having right now. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I guess he is the, uh, weird thinking him as a veteran because <laughs> he also is a champion as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. um, and 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 he's hasn't reached his prime years yet because um, usually no. a NASCAR driver's prime years is like 
the age of 37 to about 41 or 42. Which is so, insane because every other sport, including other mo- forms of motorsport, that's an old age. Yeah. Yep. So it's a uh, he's got a he's got a ways to go, um, and we're he's going to be around for a while. Um, but the big takeaway from this, um, and especially these first few weeks, is that as you pointed out, and everybody in NASCAR seems to be pointing out, we need more short tracks. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I don't. Un- I I understand, and I don't at the same time understand more so understand why we don't because the original reason we have all these mile and a half tracks was because years ago uh, i believe it was at 96 when north wilkesboro had its last race yep uh got replaced by texas speedway Mo- uh, something Speed- like that, yeah, yeah uh smi bought bought them yes and therefore nixed the date at north wilkesboro and replaced it with texas and and because texas could hold thousands more people mm-hmm. and we started to see this trend of a mile and a half so all these mile and a half tracks be opening these bigger tracks opening because it was faster and more exciting which then guys got smarter with designing cars to where they could sit on the track and guys could just drive them you know with almost limited experience it seems like and it was providing these boring races with clean air is the dominant thing where at short tracks clean air is not the dominant thing it is more about car and driver yeah it's the driver has more input in the short track yes thank you yeah Yeah. um and we don't we don't see that at the bigger tracks and bristol and and martinsville showcase that uh richmond uh not so much i feel like they unfortunately have provided us uh not as great of a show the last five or seven years maybe just not the richmond that i remember growing up watching as far as short yeah. tracks, um, it's when didn't they add some? When did they kind of refigure that one and add some banking? Oh, didn't man. they do that? A like, long, it was a long time ago. I don't even know if it? you okay. and I were born yet. Oh, okay. Um, so it's it's been this way for a while. Yeah. It um, well, I guess the only change was so growing up there, they would always apply a sealer, pavement sealer. Okay. Which would cause the track to be obviously more slick every single time and then i found out oh man probably two or three years ago i found out they repaved the whole thing and stopped applying the sealer so you weren't you were getting more grips and you were getting guys weren't sliding around as much therefore causing the racing to be a bit more drawn out and not nearly as exciting not you didn't get as much slip and slide because the sealer was not there Right. All I have to say, we need more short tracks, like you said. Uh, uh, what would be a short track, you think? Well, I can I mean, answer. Nashville's yeah, thank number you. one, you know? <laughs> yeah, uh, I was hearing a interview with Marcus Smith, who owns Bristol, Texas, Atlanta. All that. He had an interview with Dale Jr., and Nashville is still very much on the forefront. They are, mm-hmm. like, they... Uh, talks are, are still good. They were put on pause due to COVID-19, but that seems like the next step or the next track to possibly have some sort of NASCAR there. Uh, I mean, if I had to assume it's going to be trucks and Xfinity and eventually cup, that's what we can all hope for because mm-hmm. it's a great racetrack. It's so fast. It's got two grooves, sometimes three incredible banking. It's a big hometown track. That is for sure. Awesome. 
Yeah, I think um, Nashville's definitely the number one that comes to mind. One of the things that NASCAR has is this um, desire for tracks to be um, have they have like a certain seating requirement and things like that that is a part of um, it, what tracks they select. And there's just not too many short tracks that meet that required number of available seating. Um, so I think either you need some of these tracks, like I know, um, is it Chicagoland or Kansas? One of those are in talks of tearing down. Chicagoland um, is not looking good. It's not. Okay. Yeah. And so like if Chicagoland wanted to do something like build a short track out there, you know, absolutely um, somewhere that would definitely reinvigorate. Um, there's probably a way where you can just take the front stretch um, and rework it into a short track and not have to lose all those stands and things like that and not have to, um, you know, you could still use all the additional land for other, I'm sure there's other business ventures that could go out that way. Um, but places like that need to take a risk and say, we're just, we're going to make a short track here instead. Um, but I understand that that probably costs a lot of money, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, racetracks aren't cheap to build, but that, or I wish NASCAR would just kind of go, you know what, if we go race at a place that only seats 20,000, well, that's going to be great. Ticket prices are going to be expensive, um, but it'll be a sellout and people will come and the TV viewership would be phenomenal. That's that's kind of where I'm at with it. I would, uh, because we're not the only podcast to be talking about return, you know, having short tracks return. And I just keep thinking to myself, you know what? Maybe we don't we don't need 140,000 seats like Bristol has because that's that's what makes Bristol so great. It's a coliseum. So let them have that. So like you said, 20, 30,000 seats. Heck, I think Martinsville since they've taken out so many grandstands, I think it's the cap is 50 or 60,000 and it's and great. It's, it's great when it's yeah. filled up. It looks, it looks great. It looks good for TV. Everyone's engaged there. So if you go to a place that, that has a smaller amount, yeah, ticket prices would be high, but man, would it be worth it? Uh, I just pulled up a article from the Chicago Tribune talking about Chicagoland and the, the, uh, it's a, it's a, a column it says the it's a warehouse proposal canceled events and closed facility are a quote perfect storm for chicago and speedway uh to meet its demise mm. which is it's a bummer to see any racetrack go mm-hmm. but if i'm going to be completely honest if there's one to go it, i would choose chicagoland <laughs> yeah it's a bummer yeah yep. but uh anyway that's that's that more short tracks <laughs> yeah, so it was a, a great weekend of racing. Um, next weekend is Atlanta, which mm-hmm. is a mile and a half track, but it's super bumpy, and the racing will probably be really entertaining. Um, at least early restarts are going to be nuts. Oh my so gosh! Yeah, it'll be. Uh, it would definitely, I think, be worth um, your time. And then next Wednesday, next Wednesday, back to Martinsville. Yeah, um, and that would be if if you're not still like not a really watching racing and you're listening to our podcast because you're our friends. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's what we would say to check out is the June 10th race Wednesday night at Martinsville. Um, as long as it doesn't rain, that race is going to be awesome. It's going to be so good. The, it's the low downforce package, which I didn't think last year when I went that the high door downforce package was going to make a difference because literally you could race with four tires and just your chassis around that track not really being needing any kind of aerodynamics <laughs> mm-hmm. but it made such a it was a huge difference with that higher downforce it were it was probably one of the more boring races i've ever witnessed there so seeing the, 
the low downforce package back there. Yeah, last so the Martinsville races are 500 laps apiece, and I think the uh, the one in the spring, I think um, Brad Kozlowski led like 470 laps, and then the one in the fall, Martin Truex Jr. led like 450 laps uh-huh. or something like that. <laughs> it was extremely boring. Um, yeah. So that won't be the case this year. I can almost completely guarantee it. If somebody dominates, it's because their car was dominant. It's yeah. not because of aero package and there will be awesome racing throughout the field i want do you think that uh practice will be even more uh more of a factor or should i say lack of practice will be more of a factor there than bristol probably um just because of the uh the amount of heavy braking that goes into it there's i think you're likely to see especially kind of in that middle stages um you're liable to see a lot of people getting into one another and uh it could be a, it could get wild and then the finish will probably if it comes down to a green white checkered all bets are off <laughs> <laughs> for sure we'll probably end the race on lap 510 or 515 <laughs> right <laughs> and it's too bad you know that fans won't be there cuz man martinsville is such a good track and it'll be the first full on night race there but it's okay because we have a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel for fans returning. We do have a little rumor that NASCAR is talking about NASCAR fans returning to Homestead uh, mm-hmm. that weekend. Was it June 13th, I believe? Yep. Um, because due to Florida's restrictions uh, lifting a little faster than others, fans could be returning to Homestead. Uh, but I believe Homestead is in Dade County. Miami, whatever, and their bit their mayor is being a bit more strict because there's mm-hmm. more people there. Understandable. The following week, I believe it's the following week. Yes, uh, is Talladega and Alabama. I'm not sure if they ever closed. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, they are also is also rumored that fans could be attending. I will definitely be one of those fans. Should they allow uh, me to go? I asked I asked the wife last night. I said, "Hey, fans could be returning in a couple of weeks. Do you want to go?" And she said, "Yeah. Yeah, let's go." Awesome. And awesome. she's never been to a track bigger than uh Martinsville. So, mm. it'll be a wake-up call for her for sure. Yeah, I uh I have I have the Bristol Night Race circled on my calendar right now. Mm. Um it all depends on what uh what the if anything gets rescheduled right now. It's like mid-September that it's scheduled for um and i have only thing i have around then is a, a wedding i'm going to in early october so as long as it's not that weekend i will do my best to be at bristol do um, it <laughs> i'll see what so. my tour schedule looks like that's my only thing is like buying tickets that far ahead i'm like uh what's right. tour schedule gonna be looking like because i don't know if i'll be able to make the the fall martinsville race so i'll try to get any kind of racing in i can before life gets back to normal with work for sure absolutely and there's about to be even more racing um f1's got their schedule announced they're coming back in july right Mm, yeah july Um, 5th in austria yep and then uh this saturday is indycar making its return um then of course last weekend we had supercross with its return man timing for tv was the worst for that because you had supercross (laughs) and the bristol race at the same exact time and you couldn't have had anything worse i feel like if if the nascar race had been 
a mile and a half track, I would have been like, ah, I think I'll watch a little more Supercross today. Fortunately, I guess I watched more of the Bristol race than I did the, the Supercross race. Um, Eli Tomac took the win at the first race. There's six more to go. He's got eight point lead over my guy, Ken Roxon. And it was a, a very impressive win too. Yeah. He, um, yeah. Where he, uh, I think it was about four minutes into the race. He was, he was in third and both, um, uh, Cooper Webb and, um, Roxon got past him. Um, and then he meticulously worked his way from fifth up to the lead and then just kind of drove away for the last 10 minutes. But, um, it was a very impressive win for Tomac, uh, and not at all what, um, Webb or Roxon wanted to see. No, cause, um, he was already in the lead in points and now he's just extending that lead. So we'll see, uh, what, I guess you want to call it round two <laughs> of Utah <laughs> looks right. like it'll be, uh, on Wednesday. It's going to be, it's a late one. It's a uh, 10 o'clock Eastern. It's scheduled for TV from 10 to 1 a.m. So oh if you're up, goodness. go ahead and watch it. Uh, it'll be on NBCSN. I'll definitely be watching it because, you know, what else do I have to do? <laughs> I may be watching it Thursday night. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And then uh, they continue. Yeah, they're doing like a Sunday, Wednesday thing. So very similar to uh, to NASCAR, which is funny. They're, they're doing a lot of similarities uh, with interviews and and on track personnel and stuff, so really cool to see NASCAR kind of take the be the guinea pig for this whole thing and people following suit on how to continue their sport. Yep. Uh, but I am really excited for this announcement. Uh, well, actually, Josh, you have a little something something for us, don't you? Yeah. So we uh, we're gonna start a new segment, um, which this will just be more kind of talk about what we. Um, just talked about with the racing. Uh, we'll call it our red card segment, but or I don't know. We'll come up with a catchy name. But basically, <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna. I'm gonna put out a question or a uh, you know something out there. Um, and the there's three options given. So with in a soccer game, um, whenever there's a a foul, there's ob- there's also there's four options really. But we're gonna go with the three. There's um, you can play on. You know, just continue play as it is. Um, or there's a yellow card, which is a caution. And then a red card, which is a you're out of the game um, immediately. Um, and two yellow cards equals a red card. But we're not getting all that with what we're doing. <laughs> um, but basically, I'm going to throw out an idea. Um, and so if you think, you know, um, so for instance, the very first one, um, and you kind of alluded to this earlier, uh, was Chase moves Chase Elliott's move on uh, Joey Lugano fair. Um, if you think all good to go. Um, then play on if eh, it was iffy yellow card. And then if no, that was too far, it'd be a red card. Um, so that's the first one we have is Nick was chase Elliott's move fair. Uh, play on. I think, uh, it was just a racing thing. He kind of, he got loose going into the corner and, and lost his car a little bit, had to chase up the racetrack. And unfortunately, Joey was right there. It's kind of how I saw it. <laughs> that's how my, that was my lens. So yeah, I don't think he did anything wrong there. Yeah, I think I'd agree with you. Um, he he stuck it in there and it did not stick. Um, so it was he was going for it. Um, so then the second question is in the same lens because that was Sunday night where we had that move, which ultimately led to Brad Kozlowski swooping past both of them and winning. The next night we had Noah Gragson, Gregs, Gregson <laughs> making a similar move um, on Justin Allgaier, which took Justin Allgaier out of the race. Um, so was Noah Gregson's move fair? I hate this question right now. <laughs> Those who do not know, I'm not a huge Noah Gregson fan. Um, I would also say, 
Oh, yellow card. Let's go yellow card. Um, and I only say that it's kind of twofold, I guess. I only say that because it was his teammate, but at the same time, it doesn't matter because you're racing for the win. Doesn't matter if it's your teammate or not. So yeah, let's. You know what? This is the very first time we're doing this. Yeah, I'm do. I'll say. I, I'll change my mind. Play on. Just a racing play move. on. <laughs> yeah, it was just a racing move, and uh, unfortunately, it, it took out Allgaier. Yeah, I'd, I'd lean more towards the yellow card with this one, um, where it was. He it was, he just stuck it in there too much, you know. It was a bit too reckless abandon, in my opinion. Um, but I also love the drama that came from it. Um, I loved uh, Ashley Allgaier calling him out on Twitter. No way, um, I did not see this. <laughs> yeah, she said there was something. Uh, I don't remember exactly what it is, but you could tell that she was upset. Okay, um, and it was it was great because after the race, Justin's response was a bit more like he's like Justin's like you know there's more important things in the world. We'll be ready for the next race, dude. He's and so positive all the time. Mm-hmm. Let's yeah. see. I, was, I just pulled up her Twitter. Uh, first, her first tweet was: "There's a lot of people you can't trust when they are racing on the inside of you. Typically, you can trust your teammate." Uh, she said, "Wow, thanks, Noah Gragson. Um, <laughs> unbelievable." <laughs> I think that was it. That was the one that just in the moment I was like, Oh snap. She's starting to fire. <laughs> She's, she is not happy. Um, but so then, uh, next question, um, this to add background to people, um, that might not know. So Bristol is a track that, um, I guess it was around 2008, 2007 when they moved to this progressive banking. So it used to be a one great one groove lane around the track, um, if you had to pass, you had to move the bumper. Um, they moved it to a two lane race or now in some cases, three lane race. A lot of people, um, hated that for a long time, but I think now can we say, put the argument to the rest and say that the progressive banking was a good move for Bristol, Bristol play on for sure. Uh, I was definitely a red card move when this first happened because it seemed to provide uh, boring racing, but it's because guys weren't moving each other out of the way. However, Watching guys pass at Bristol cleanly is impressive uh, because time is moving so quickly. So, yeah, play on for sure. I agree 100%. I hated it at first, but even this weekend was kind of a dichotomy because the Bristol race or the Xfinity race, the outside never came in um, and it felt like old Bristol, which it was entertaining still. But I was like, man, Sunday's race was just so much better. So then with Supercross, we were talking about how you got, it's basically Roxon, um, um, Webb, um, uh, Tomac, and um, uh, what's his name? Justin, uh, Justin Wilson. Barsha's. Or Barsha, sorry. Wilson. Barsha's. Justin Wilson is an IndyCar driver. <laughs> <laughs> but Barsha's still technically in it. He's 46 points out. But is the Supercross championship a two-man race? Two-man race? Or, or like just, is it just the two guys going for it or um is is Webb out of it or is he still is he still in it yeah. i'm gonna go i guess this would be a yellow card <laughs> yellow card yeah yeah um uh the the points you can the how points work with supercross is it's very easy to go back and forth a lot i, I noticed i feel like a, a lot this year uh we have had dominant riders uh tomac webb and roxon for sure roxon's got Three wins. I think Tomac has. I don't remember four, maybe. Uh, something something like, that. like that. I would. I, I would say Barsh is out. I think 
Webb and Roxon are there. Roxon's very much there. So we'll say yellow card and it's a two and a half guys race. <laughs> <laughs> I almost, I thought about making this question. Is this Tomax championship to lose? Um, which just with the altitude, they kept talking about this in the race. They're like, Tomac is built for this altitude. You're racing at the same track every week. Um, but yeah, I think it's definitely down to a two man race. Um, it almost became Tomax to lose if Roxon didn't have that incredible save on the, with two to go. Oh my gosh. He came through that rhythm section and he, and he like hit the barrier. You talking about then? Yeah. Yep. Like he could have eaten it there and ended up finishing 15th. Um, yeah. and then he'd be in big trouble. But, um, yeah, I think a uh, yellow card's a safe bet. Um, but I'm saying red card. I think Webb can, uh, Webb's had the best story of the year. Um, I think after the injury he suffered earlier in the year, um, and to come back from that, I mean, he suffered a big injury that a lot of people were like, up, oh, he's done for the season. And then he came back and podium the next two races. So, yeah. um, I think it'd be an awesome story for him to come back. Um, and so one final one, um, should NASCAR should implement shorter races and use heat races a la sprint car or, um, supercross. Cool. Let's, uh, play on play on. I'm all for that. Absolutely. <laughs> I think you could have, let's see if I'm thinking off the top of my head off. I'll just put Martinsville as the Guinea pig have, yeah, you could have two heat races just like Supercross, you have two heat races in LCQ, and then you have a main event. I don't think you have to go like the Sprint Car World of Outlaw route, where you got like Alphabet Soup. Good lord! Like you got <laughs> you got you got uh, D main, C main, A B main, A main. It's like for the love, get on with it. Um, yeah, I think you. I think that's what makes uh, Supercross so easy to watch for me personally. Is I know the flow. I know it, it won't be that long um, to get up to the main event. I still think the main well, the main event for Supercross is a good length. I, I think the main event for NASCAR, if, I, if I'm doing Martinsville, uh, you do probably your heats are 50 laps. We'll go there. And then your LCQ 25, because that'll just provide a lot of carnage. And then <laughs> your main could be 300 laps. Yes. No. Yeah. I'd, I'd almost, I'd almost wonder if you go even shorter in some instances, like 200 lap main. Um, just cause I don't know what I'm, what we're learning with, you know, everything with shorter races and, um, the number of races that have been affected by the chance of rain is the shorter things are, the more drama, the more hectic, the more crazy things are. Um, and I kind of am enjoying that a lot. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I feel, and I, I feel like I do this every week when normalcy is a thing is if formula one and NASCAR on the same weekend, I just compare back and forth. I'm texting you. I'm texting my dad. I'm texting my other formula one friends. Like one of the great things that formula one does is keeping it exciting because things are shorter. Mm -hmm. Um, you, so you have, they have two or three practices, um, which you just kind of can learn a little bit about the racing. And then you have, qualifying which is only an hour tops um but it's in three segments and it's very quick and exciting and then the race itself is no longer than two hours so your attention is always on the screen and you and it's very hard to get distracted which i've said before with nascar right now 
it's very easy to get distracted. Um, obviously it depends on the racetrack. Um, so I feel like shorter races with, <clears throat> with NASCAR would be way more exciting. Also, if you have the heat races and whatnot, you could do everything in one day. You could probably make, you could stretch it to two days where that first day is practicing, but then you could on race day, you can make it a, a full package deal for the race fan where you'll get your qualifying. It'll start early. You get your qualifying mm-hmm. and then you get your, um, your heat races and then your LCQ and then your, your race. Matt, uh, granted, it might turn into a Valley Star 300 where it's <laughs> eight and a half hours long. We don't want that. Um, well, but I f- we will count caution laps. That's the mistake they oh, make there. Yes. Yeah, don't count caution that laps. That was very, that's very true. Uh, I mean, yeah. Like, is that, is that kind of where you're, what you're feeling? Yeah. Yeah. Something along those lines I think would be cool. And I do think the limited time, I think part of why the premier league has blown up in America over the last 10 years is because games never take more than two hours. It's, you know, an hour and half game. There's a 15 minute break. So with everything, games are over by, you know, if a game starts at 10, it's over by 1150 or so. And it's within that two hour time period and you can go about your day and keep doing things. Um, so I think keeping things to a shorter time frame, you're going to get more fan engagement and fan involvement. Absolutely. I, and, and when you have multiple games in a day, you kind of have that, you know, 20, 30 minute break in between the mm-hmm. games. So you're kind of able to refresh, restart. If you're watching in America, get another bowl of cereal or another cup of coffee. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. But, that leads us into very exciting news. Uh, the Premier League has a provisional start date of June 17th, which is in 15 days. Ladies and gentlemen, I am so excited for this. Josh, I know you are sharing the same excitement because Everton yes, could win the championship. No. Go ahead. My great fear right now is that it's looking like Liverpool is going to clinch the title in Goodison. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yes. Oh, gosh. So how, so. It, how it looks is um, June 17th is a Wednesday, which is a weird day to start a season restart a season whatever everything's weird so whatever doesn't matter the reason they're starting on wednesday is to line the fixtures back up so everyone is at this have have played the same amount of games so on june 17th we'll have aston villa versus sheffield united and then you have my boys in blue manchester city against arsenal this particular headline i'm reading from bbc sport says it's subject to government approval but let's be honest all of England are soccer fans, so I don't see why they would try to hold this up anymore. Uh, the crazy thing, they have 92 games still to play, but here's something exciting for the for those of our listeners in the UK, <laughs> is that they will be broadcasting all the games uh, via Sky Sports, BT Sport, BBC Sport, or Amazon Prime. What? Which is incredible. That's awesome. Um, says BBC Sport will air four live matches for the first time since the Premier League's inception in 1992. Meanwhile, Sky Sports will show 64 matches live and make 25 available free to air. So I guess they have different TV rights and whatnot over there. I did some digging and I wanted to make sure I said this correctly. Though soccer is the biggest sport, probably, I'm sure, cricket is number two in England. Uh, the reason that they don't see any broadcasted games at the three o'clock hour, which is the popular hour on a given Saturday, dates back to the 60s 
Bob Lord, the chairman of Burnley FC, convinced the Football League that showing televised games would have an impact negatively on his side's attendance and therefore reduce their financial earnings. And I'm pretty sure that's really not a viable case anymore because regardless, <laughs> no. fans are going to be watching. Like They will pay to either go in the stands or they will watch it on TV, like you're still going to get that viewership. I feel like that is a, a very much dated thing, and I'm, I've am i heard talks of them doing away with that, but I'm sure that's low on the table right now. All that to say, very exciting for everyone that the world can watch the Premier League return. Yes. And um, I don't even care that, I mean, I kind of care that Liverpool will win, but I'm just ready to see it, see it come back. Yeah, it'll be nice because after this, Liverpool fans can't whine about anything anymore. Good grief. Um, they whine so much. <laughs> they do. They're like, oh, we never win anything. I'm like, you guys have won the Champions League like five times in the last 20 years. Yeah, what is that? Like, <laughs> good like... grief. <laughs> so they haven't won the Premier League. Okay. Now, have they not now won they'll... it since it was called, like since its inception? Yes. Okay. Since it began in 92, they, they haven't won the Premier League. But like... They've won league championships prior to that because um, English soccer has been around for, oh, you know, 140 years or whatever. Right. Um, and they've been around a long portion of that time. Um, they actually began over a rift over. It was like the um, the rental fee of um, their stadium went up to like seven dollars a month or seven dollars a week. And Everton's owner was like, no, that's ridiculous. And so he moved across the field <laughs> and built Goodison Park. And no then way. Arsenal began. Yeah, it's something It's something funny like that. Unreal. Um, <laughs> so, um, but in that time, um, they've been a very successful club. And their fans, with the way their fans talk, you would think they'd never won anything in their lives. No. So, <laughs> um, my, my tour manager is a Liverpool fan. But uh, I'm excited for him because the day that he, uh, the Premier League starts, it's his birthday. And I was like, well, happy birthday, dude. I don't even yeah. know. How, what are they, 20-some? 20, 20 no, they're not that high. Are they like 25 points ahead right now? They're, it's, I mean, it's insurmountable. They'd have to have the collapse of all collapses. Well, they did They'd that. Have to have, They've done that. They have done that. <laughs> They'd have to um, beat that in terms of impressiveness. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And I don't see that happening. I, I'm, you know, I'm a Everton fan. If anybody didn't pick up on that, so I'm very biased against Liverpool. Um, they're a great club, deserving of everything they get, I'm sure. But and their fans have probably suffered in some way. Yeah, it's hard <laughs> not hard. to enjoy Liverpool's manager Jurgen Klopp. I he's, love him so much. He's just a good dude. I was yeah. really hoping that he was going to get the. The manager job for the U.S. guys. Yes. I'm sure that, I'm sure he's very expensive. <laughs> yes. Um, and U.S. soccer has uh, another topic. That's enough. That's enough. <laughs> another rant for another day. I'm very unhappy with a lot of U.S. soccer. Just, to, yeah. Yeah. I did see a headline, though, that MLS seemed to be coming to an, some sort of agreement with a, a restart. Sweet. I don't have the details in front of me, but we should be looking forward to that. And uh, have you heard any more on the restart or restart about the start of 2021 uh, Premier League? Because it's supposed to start August 8th 
And I think with the way things are going, when this current season ends, that'll be a there'll be a week of separation. Yeah, and I think isn't the uh, Champions League final scheduled for like August seventh? Did they? I thought that was over. Oh, they did cancel it, didn't they? I thought they um, did. Yeah. What was it? Was it a? Uh, um, yeah, and... that that one's canceled, but it's the um, one of the League Cups in England, actually. The FA Cup, um, maybe cool. I think the FA Carabaro, Cup. Carabaro <laughs> Cup, uh, City got that one. Yeah, um, so that's that's scheduled for. Um, I think it's like August seventh is when the FA Cup final would be. Okay, if it if it returns, or sorry, it's August first. So there would be a week between the FA Cup final and the start of the the next football season. Yeah, I don't see that season. happening. I mean, man. I mean, I guess the only way to get back to normal schedule would be start the next one late, end it late. So if you say you start in September, you'd end in June, and then you'd have roughly two months to get back to have a quote-unquote break, but then you have other things in, in between to yeah. try to get that August restart, or start. I can't, I, God, I need to get restart out of my vocabulary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It'll it'll be interesting to see. I mean, for a lot of leagues, how things move forward. Um, you know, hockey's looking at uh, possibly. I think they have a. They could potentially look at hockey's playoffs beginning in like late July or early August, um, and then doing a draft afterwards, and then looking at starting their next season sometime between November and January. Um, opposed to their usual October start. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could see a lot of leagues kind of playing with that um, and doing things differently. Um, it also depends on how reliant you are on fans being in the stadium. Hockey is a bit more, relies a bit more on the the um, ticket revenue than, say, um, the NBA or NFL do, who rely heavily, or not heavily, but they just have such big TV contracts that, they can they'd be okay if they had to go a couple of months into a season without fans uh yeah we'll we'll see for sure we will see there was one (laughs) other thing i was going to mention and it just slipped my mind oh i know what it was speaking of fans i watched some bundesliga soccer this weekend Uh, my my tour manager lee was telling me to to catch up on it and just kind of experience it it is weird because they pump in the fans they're the PA system, and and uh, Gladback has their cardboard fans in the stands. However, with that said, <laughs> the 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 fans over the PA sounded almost natural until huh. you heard the players yelling at each other. But with <laughs> but seriously though, I turned it on and not thinking twice that fans weren't there. That's wow. that's how impressive it was. Um, is, like there's well literally done. someone sitting at. A, a board, a soundboard, firing cues, I guess, with different noise reactions. So if the home team gets fouled, there's boos. If they score, there's cheers. If there's a good play, you know, like a good pass or something, there's claps. There's all these different hmm. things that made it feel real. Overall, I was very impressed. And it actually even made watching it on TV a little more enjoyable rather than not having any kind of, you know, you're just hearing the players. Hmm. Um so I would encourage you just to watch a little bit, especially if it's a good team like you got Bayern Munich or or um, Dortmund or any of those guys. 
Yeah, I haven't gotten a chance to watch yet. I've been meaning to go back to watch for that, and I'm glad you brought it up because I had intended when I came up with the kind of the red card game idea. Um, that was the first question that came to mind, and then I forgot about it until right now about if that was a good call or not. So that's yeah. cool to hear that it's going well uh, or that it sounds natural. I need to. I'll probably check that out tonight. Um, when I get home, pull up at least the highlights. I would only give it a yellow YouTube. card because the cardboard fans are still creepy. <laughs> <laughs> I saw they had that at uh, at parts around the, uh, the Supercross Stadium, too. Did they really? I didn't see that. Yeah, it was in one of the shots where they were um, talking to the, the, the reporter that's actually down at trackside. And he was there was cardboard cutouts behind him. I don't know if they just did three rows for that shot or if they had cardboard <laughs> cutouts all throughout. Um, it wouldn't surprise me either way. <laughs> I'm so thankful NASCAR did not do that because they would get even more flack and be made fun of even more. So props <laughs> yep. to them for not doing that. Yep. Well, so, I'd say that sums it up for today. If you've, that made, does. It, if you've made it this far, congratulations. <laughs> um, next week, who knows what we'll be talking about. We've got Atlanta coming up. We've got some Supercross racing, IndyCar racing. Make sure you tune into all that. Make sure you check out Instagram page, RFRC Podcast. Um, and yeah, just uh, tell your friends about us for sure. Yes. And if you have any questions, feel free to, I guess, DM us on the Instagram page or myself or Nick personally, if you know us. Um, if you have any questions you'd like for us to tackle or thoughts. Um, that would be fun to do as well. Yeah. So with that, I'm Nick. And I'm Josh. And we will talk to you guys next week. Bye.